I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Pants Radio, Australia's happiest podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Demarellis. This is a show we ask you, what's your story and what does it say about you? Today on the show we have, for the first time ever, and also the first person that was on, so that's kind of beautiful, Yeah. Uh, podcaster Jackson Bailey. How you doing, Jackson? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back on. I know. I was. A f- it's crazy I was the first ever guest. That's bonkers. I know. And, and now you're the first ever second guest, which I... That's true. I'm constantly breaking new ground. That's what, that's, that's, that's what you are to this show now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Every time I do yeah. anything new, you're going to be the first person on here. Yeah. So you can either look at it like I'm a pioneer or I'm a guinea pig. Either way. And both are good. <laughs> Aren't pioneers just self-chosen yeah, guinea pigs? I suppose pigs, so. Really? You're like, let me see how this will work. And then, yeah. The guinea pig, I guess, in real life gets no choice in it. But... You know, I'm sure if the guinea pig, if if the guinea pigs had the level of sentience or sapience that we do, they too would want to sapience. explore the. the well, isn't it sapience? People always yell at me about getting no. it wrong. What's sapience then? Sapience is Homo sapiens. No, it's got. It's not a noun. No. I mean, it's not a sapience verb. Sapience is the quality adjective, of being wise little... or, or wisdom. It's a thing. What? Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it is. I'm sorry. Sapience. S-A-E-N-C-E. It's from the Middle French sapience, or the Latin sapentia. What? <laughs> yeah. What? I I <laughs> I know all the words, and I keep getting proven on this damn network that I don't know all the words, well, and see, it's I, killing me, but I'm still glad to learn I it. I always used to say I've sentience. I've never heard that before, ever. Sapience, and then people would message me and be like, hey, idiot, learn words. You mean sapience. So, like, if you gave a horse sapience, a I horse I... is... No, a, a horse is no, already no, sentient. No, 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 that's because... wrong. Yes, a horse is sentient. It's, no, a, it's alive not. and aware. No, it's not. Nothing is sentient. No, sentient is self-aware. No, sapience is self-aware. No, sapience is just wise. You can't be sapience like as in that's just a very small subset. Everyone who told you that is an idiot. <laughs> sentient means self-aware. Only humans are sentient. All right. Well, there you go. That's good to know. You could. You... Oh, maybe I'm. Not, maybe I'm no, wrong. No. <laughs> I've now looked that up as well. <laughs> That's great. And it turns out I am wrong about that as well. Oh my god. Yeah, a horse is sentient in that, it, i.e., it's able to perceive or feel things. But yeah, but I feel like sentience is self-awareness, which means like you're able to actually. Uh, think about those things. You know what I mean? Well, see, I think that's sapience. 
<laughs> Say Bids is just being wise, it looks like. Yeah, I know. Now, yeah, looking it up, that's what it seems like as well. Yeah, it's to be aware of feelings and sensations. I feel like that... Well, no, because a horse just feels hungry. We're like, oh, I'm feeling hungry. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling hungry right now, whereas a horse is just hungry. Is I think the difference. I'm no scientist. <laughs> Look, I... <laughs> I uh, I I don't think I know any words anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think it, you might be right. I've I've, I've just been sidetracked looking up. <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia's just like you're an idiot. You're an idiot. It's just at me yeah, directly. Yeah. For like, George Dimorelos, you moron. No, but see, I'm, now I'm looking up sapient, and I can't find anywhere that it says being able to like assess your internal feelings yeah but see i'm looking (laughs) in sentience and it go and the last line it goes in science fiction the word sentience is sometimes used interchangeably with sapience (laughs) self-awareness or consciousness so the first time i've ever seen sapience in the wild is one second after i learned that the word exists oh no fuck you universe i hate you so much (laughs) i can't believe the word is there it's like you put it there I've never I, I, seen yeah, that word created in my entire today. life. I've never seen that word in That's my entire so life. so funny. It's so annoying that it's the first one. <laughs> no, it's, like, put self-awareness, consciousness, or sapience, and I'll be like, oh, it's third. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, yeah. random third one. It is no, first. it's first. It's the main one. Oh, that's funny. Oh, my God. I can't believe this. So... <laughs> You've ruined my life. Anyways, like, so now I have to start questioning every word that I think I know. Yeah, I know. How scary is that? Yeah. It's ruined me. I've been so confident. And then the other day I was on Why Am I Sad? And I yeah. said, innovate. And everyone's like, what does that mean? I'm like, oh, you know, it means like uh, like invigorate. And then we look it up and it means the exact opposite. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> That's always crushing. It's always the worst when it means the exact opposite because you know your brain has like just just not thought deeper about it and just be like yeah that's what it it's like yeah. um uh p- uh what the f- what the fuck's the word i can't remember it now there's so many words like that so many words that that hit you in that exact spot actually i one bemused that's what I, I that's what i was thinking well. of that's exactly what i was thinking of bemused <laughs> you're not happy when you're bemused but it sounds so much like amused that you're yeah. like it's good but that's crazy because we have a word for that it's amused <laughs> Yeah, I always think it's like amused, but slightly more like sarcastic, like yeah. a little bit, like a little bit, mm-hmm, like as in like that. You're like a bit, a bit like amused, but restrained is bemused. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what I would assume. It's like as holding well. in my amusement. Like, that's bemused. It's a bit of a like, snooty mm-hmm. amused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's exactly. what it feels like it should be. It should be that. Apparently, it's upset, which is ridiculous. Yeah. It's not uh, like, at all what I would have done. No, it's not if I was the English if I was language. In charge, I'd, have, I'd have done something different. Yeah. Oh, man. If I was in charge, sapience would be cut immediately. <laughs> sentience is enough. Yeah. We don't need to distinguish. I can't believe Get sentience rid of it. means. So, in my defense, it says in science fiction, it's used interchangeably. So, really, it just shows that I'm a sci fi geek. Exactly. Which is, that's good. And what is language if not. It's flexible? exactly. We. We're changing it all the time. Literally yeah. means both literally and not literally. Literally is fine. <laughs> exactly. That's what I Words like. Words yeah. are meaningless. You know? Words are meaningless. That's a big we thing don't... I believe in. Yeah. For someone who's so confident in his assurance <laughs> of what words means. But anyways. 
This is a, uh, you know what? I, I prefer this to doing any books. Let's just talk yeah. about more words. <laughs> yeah, Stupid get, words. Let's get in. Let's go to deep. The damn let's words go. in the damn dictionary. The goddamn words. Man, like, as in, you know, words mean, uh, okay, I, I sometimes worry that I use words and people think I sound like I'm being smarmy. Do you ever worry about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Often. Often I'll, I'll throw out a word because. Like, I read heaps as a kid. Mm. Like, I was one of those kids that always had my nose buried in a book. So, like, I just got a biggish vocabulary out of it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> like, so, biggish. I, yeah. <laughs> I just got this real biggie, big, like. Sort of a large old yeah, vocabulary. You could call it like a real big, big vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then sometimes, I don't, because what it does, I think, if you if you read a lot, is it gives you a lot of. Because, like, language, what language is good for is, you know, someone can be happy, but somebody can also be, like, joyous, or somebody can be, I don't know, invigorated, or bemused, exactly. But And when you you have, like, a little bit of a big vocabulary, you got those options for you instead of just happy. Mm. But then often, I know what you mean, you'll throw one out, because for you, it's just the correct word for this sentence or this descriptor or whatever. But all of a sudden, people are like, look, are you using $10 words for a $5 meaning or whatever? Like, what are you doing? And you're like, yeah, uh, yeah Ooh, gee college boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You never want to be college boy. I'll tell you what. <laughs> no, no one, no one likes college boy. <laughs> but all, I think also because I think I'm scarred because you always see those people. Uh, there's a few online that I think of. Mm. Um, like the ones that people think are so smart, these professorial mm. types, and they're like they're using big words, and you're like, you could say oh, that for sure, easier, yeah, yeah, and you, easier you, to understand. Like you are literally using that just to sound smart. Yeah, you're not for doing sure. it to be. And clear. I think there's like there's an intelligence in in being able to convey something in a way that everyone understands. You know what I mean? Like yeah. using a simple language to convey an idea is just as powerful as using kind of complicated language to do the same thing. I think. Exactly, but like you're unnecessarily obfuscating your opinion. Yeah, exactly. Really, hey, obfuscating. There you go. See, obfuscating is a see, classic I, one, but it's a great word. What's that? It's B, a great word. What's that B and F doing next to each other? Where else is that happening in the English language? B and F typically not friends, but in obfuscating, they're hanging out yeah. and it works. Exactly. Which is shocking. It, it, that's what I mean. It, it deserves to be known more. I agree. Really, I that agree. One. Yeah, yeah. Get obfuscating out there. I've been reading. Um, <laughs> hey, it's mm. a book I've been reading. That's crazy. Bam. <laughs> um. So, so I've been reading uh, at home the Bill Bryson book uh, where he talks about the, the I guess, domestic life mm-hmm. or whatever. And so much of that, he'll be like explaining this ancient thing we used to do or this way we used to live our lives. And he'll be like, and this is exactly how this phrase comes out. You know what I mean? So like, um, for example, before tables took their modern form, a table was effectively just a huge plank of wood that everybody would rest on their knees and you would hang it up on a wall. And then when it was time to eat, you'd take the plank of wood out, you'd rest it on your knees and everybody would eat on top of it. And if anything happened below it, that because it was kind of so low to the ground or whatever, uh, it was kind of like impolite or I don't know, like, like it was, it was a faux pas to do anything below the table, which is where the idea of like a, like a a deal being under the table came from or something being, you know, not so legal or whatever comes from having the table. Uh, no, sorry, no, that above board. Sorry, if you're above board, you're over the board, 
that is on your knees because your table is a board, so you're above. Which is the origin of that phrase. I don't know where I got the rest of that shit from. Don't worry about it. But but I feel the, like it's it's the same thing. Any like as in a table, it, yeah, it still it, kind it, of applies. Like yeah, for sure. Because you're adding like, in all you, this extra stuff to the same thing. So actually, yeah, it means it's when it's under the table, it's sneaky. When it's over the table, it's like yeah, we know. It's like and tables originally came from the old English word table. <laughs> like, great. It's like this is related. Yeah, good at all. shit. Who cares? <laughs> that is also the greatest trick of language, isn't it? You know, it's like interesting to a point. <laughs> Somebody ah. tells you, you can only listen for so long before you're like, oh, yeah. You mentioned Bill Bryce, actually. Fun for, so if, yeah. for people who'd heard the first episode ever, mm-hmm. um, your two books then was Lost City of Z and A Walk in the Woods. That's right. Which I then went away and read Walk in the oh, Woods. It's a great time. Great. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. wonderful book. It's so lovely. It Every time I read it, I desperately want to hike more and more. It just it just invigorates my desire to be in the wilderness. You know. What yeah, I mean? it's For and it's sure. done in a very uh, like related. Like it's not one where you got to go and eat like uh, yeah. your flesh and get yeah, yeah, by yeah. a million mosquitoes. Nothing horrible like, happens to, to no. Bill Bryson. It's, it's, it's like we just quite... drove a car there and then we drove, walked for a day and then we walked yeah. back and drove the car again. <laughs> it was exhausting because we're all in our late 40s or whatever, but like we did it and uh, it was pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a great little book, A Walk in the Woods. It definitely would be in my like probably top three of sort of all time reads, you know what I mean? I can go back to it time and time again. I love that yeah. book. No, no, it is. It's a great time. I, uh, mm. yeah, it made me. It actually made me consider, uh, like, I actually at the start, especially at the start of this year, um, yeah. really had that feeling of like a lot of people I was speaking to were going away and doing like a little hike for a day mm. or two days, and I was like, I should really learn well, how to do that. It's definitely something that I just started. I started doing in 2020. I think I was like, and and I've been sort of uh, you know consistent with it, and then less consistent with it, and whatever. But it's definitely because I've never. When it comes to exercise, I've tried to go to the gym before, but it's definitely just not for me. I get very bored. I got a wandering brain, so I just can't. I, can't, I don't. I can't get into it. Um, and I was always like, the way for me to get out there and to move my body is is going on hikes. And I think literally before the or the pandemic had kind of just sort of kicked in a little bit in 2020, and I went up to <clears throat> the Dandenong Mountains, which are a, a sort of mountain range in in Victoria. And I just did a little hike that I found just by myself. And it was, it was like incredible. Like it was so reinvigorating. It was refreshing kind of it. It definitely felt like a, like a reboot, I guess, of, of, of my, which sounds crazy, but like, that's definitely was the, the sort of feeling of it. And I, I walked for about three hours, maybe. No, what just been solo? About? Yeah, just solo. And it, this wasn't like an isolated track. It started in like the little tourist town of Sassafras and then basically went down the mountain. And um, it was wonderful. And then I was like, right, this is just definitely something I'm going to be doing. So um, my friend Adam, who, who again, Adam kind of, he's always been on the show. He's, uh, he's always wanted to do that as well. And so I was like, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's hike. Let's make it, make a kind of a point of it. Uh, which we didn't get to do kind of until uh, lockdown started to end in, in Melbourne. Um, but when it did, for a while, uh, every second weekend, for like maybe five hikes, we would just pick somewhere, go there and do it. And it was it was wonderful. Adam never really cares about where we go. So often I would be like, hey, let's go on a hike. And he'd be like, okay, you pick, tell me where I'm driving you, whatever. And I'd be like, oh, here we're going. Um, but we did, we did some, we, we, I think the longest we did, we walked about maybe 22 kilometers was the, like the length of it. 
Uh, we were knackered by the end, but it was, I think that was up at Mount Macedon, but it was, it was beautiful. How long did that take? Oh, uh, that took a, about, I don't know, maybe six hours, something like that. So the one in the Dandenongs was the first hike I'd ever done. And that took me about six hours. And then I did that later on with Adam and it took me about like three. <laughs> like I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I, now I've gotten used to doing this level of exercise or whatever. And the Mount Macedon one was Huge, and it was so many, like, uphill, downhill. It was very um, twisty and, and turny. And there's, I don't know, there's something really nice about that, like, just knackered feeling at the end. You're just exhausted, and you're just, like, you arrive back where you began because you're trying to do loops, typically, and you're just like, fuck me, like, I am tired. And the next day you wake up aching, and it's something about it rules. Yeah. Uh, before the most recent sort of, like, uh, like the last hike I went on, uh, I did a different route through the Dandenongs, and um, there was a section that I reached in the hike. It was just up around, uh, at the top of the Dandenong Mountains, there's a place called Sky High, which is kind of like a make-out point, weirdly. Like, it's you park your car, and there's a beautiful view of sort of all of Melbourne and Victoria. And um, it goes on underneath that, this this walk. And so I'd just gone through Sky High, and I, with my instructions on where I was going, it was like, uh, you got to take... The zigzag track, don't take the tower track. And I'm like, okay. Now, so, this is something I've learned hiking, is that nowhere's signed properly. It's a nightmare. It'll be like, you got to find Gunderson Trail. And then you'll arrive at a sign that's like, Gunderson Walkway. And you're like, is this the trail? <laughs> what does this mean? What If I take this, will it work out for me? Or is it like, this is the Gunderson section and there's Gunderson Trail and Gunderson Walkway. Or it'll be like, like, will I see someone later? They'll be like, you idiot. It's a walkway, not trail. Where did you need to find Gunderson Trail? What did it say? Gunderson Walkway? (laughs) Yeah. Does that sound the same to you, you moron? (laughs) (laughs) Idiot. Could we be any clearer with the sign? (laughs) Or sometimes it'll be like, keep walking along this until you find, like, I don't know, Jameson's Path. And then you walk and you will find an intersection, which is not in your instructions anywhere. And neither sign says Jameson's Path. And you're like... Where do I go? Um, so, I, I, and look, maybe I've just been on bad trails, but you learn pretty quickly that, like, it's just going to be hard to navigate. Anyway, so I, could, I was like, go zigzag track, not tower track. I reached a sign. The sign didn't indicate either, but it did say this way to the lookout tower. And so I was like, surely that trail is lookout track and not the one yep. I meant to take. And then I looked down the other in the other direction because it was a, a T. The other direction started to zigzag. And there was no signage, but I'm like, surely that's zigzag track. So I was like, I'll take zigzag track. Anyway, I <laughs> found myself effectively on the vertical side of a mountain, like like about that steep. Like it was, it was. Your hand is at a uh, 85 degree yeah, angle. Thank if you. I, I, I was, I was like, I don't know how to describe it better than this. And I was like halfway down, and I was like, well. I can't go back up because that would be really exhausting. And if I slip, I will fall off this mountain. (laughs) So I just got to keep going down. So I effectively walked from the top of Sky High in the Dandenongs to the ground. (laughs) My phone was out of battery. I was completely lost. I'd arrived at the bottom of the mountain. I was like, what am I doing? Where am I? And then a guy on a horse leading a bunch of other people on horses started to come by. And I... how long was this journey? <laughs> Did you travel through time? Took me a while. I, I think I was walking for about six hours again that day. And the guy on the horse, he like kind of comes up to me and I'm like, hi, um, 
hey, where's the nearest train station or bus stop? And he gave me like a, oh, like, buddy, you are far away from any of that. And I was like, oh, and he's like, walk with me. So I was walking alongside his horse as he was leading me through uh, the, the sort of dandenongs. And he was like, oh, you could probably get to a bus stop here. But then he was like, oh, I'm driving back to Whittlesea after I take these people on this horse trip. You can come with me. And I was like, yes, trip with the horse, man. That rolls. But then he was like, oh, actually, if you walk in that direction, you oh, right. bus stop. So I did that. So this is a weirdly epic hiking so, but, adventure but, for like... Melbourne. It was crazy. <laughs> like, it's just... Yeah, I know. Just, just like not that far out yeah. of Melbourne at all. Like I took public transport to get there. But um, but anyway, so yeah, a walk in the woods definitely did make me hike and made me love hiking. Like it's it's just a it's a thing I do yeah. now. That's you know? uh no, it's uh, it makes sense. Actually, the I've had that experience. Yeah. Um the well actually, so let's let's say mention your book and we could just keep talking as we go. Because your yeah, book of right. today... So, because it's kind of it's, relevant, it's it's so relevant, relevant to, That's to all right. of That's why we're dancing around. <laughs> the book I picked is Into the Wild by John Krakauer. And it's effectively... You might have seen the movie Into the Wild. Um, it's a, a journalist kind of charting the story of a, a kid named... A kid. He was like a young adult uh, named Christopher Johnson McCandless, who in 1992, he was like... I am going to go live in the wild, live this free life away from civilization because this is the, the the kind of the right, I guess, philosophical way to live your life. You know what I mean? He had quite a few big ideals and he sort of went on this this massive, I guess, kind of road trip to his, his ultimate goal was the Alaskan wilderness. And um, he intended to live out there, live this kind of like, uh, I don't know, this sort of, um, yeah, just just wild adventure out there. <laughs> Um, but then he ate the wrong seeds and died. And so it's, it's kind of his story. And it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's the last survival book I've read. And, uh, since speaking, uh, for the very first episode, I've read about 17 horrific true survival stories. And so it's a really interesting book to be the last one I've read, having read all of those previously, because in all of those stories, it's about somebody who has found themselves in, the worst possible situation. You're stranded in the Amazon wilderness. You are stranded on a boat, a little dinghy in the middle of the ocean for over a year. You're stranded in the Australian outback after having your shoes stolen and being, you know, hit in the head and knocked out with a brick or whatever. Okay. <laughs> and then all of a sudden... Those does all sound like the start of a video game? <laughs> they, they're all incredible books. The, yeah. the, I recommend them all. Uh, they're all great. I know I've given no titles. Don't worry about it. Anyway. <laughs> you could give one. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I can't right. remember any too of Too much pressure. Okay. Yeah, too okay, much yep. pressure. You've made them all fly from my brain. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Your big, big the... vocabulary brain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My big, big vocab brain. <laughs> it shat itself. But all of the, all of those people, it was, it was not their choice. But Chris Candlemas, he, he decided to do it. He decided to put himself in a survival situation. And, uh, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to read a book about the, the call of the wild, about this idea of like, we, we as people, as human beings have this desire to live a, a life that is free and a life that is, that is, I don't know, untethered from civilization. Um, but also at the same time, reading the book, you hate Chris Candlemas with a passion because he's the world's biggest wanker and it, it kills you the whole time. So like, so like, is the author writing it? So, so that's, that's interesting. I actually didn't realize it was another author. Yeah. 
I thought it was mainly Chris Candleman's uh, notes well, so, that were just turned into a book. I didn't realize it was actually another person writing. But, so the, the guy who wrote the book, John Krakauer, he was the first person, the journalist, to write the first article about Chris Candlemas when they found his body. And basically he wrote this this journal article, um, or well, this article in a newspaper or whatever, and people contacted him and were like, these are our opinions on Chris Candlemas. What an intriguing boy, or what an idiot, or whatever. And also he, the John Krakauer, I think, sees a lot of himself in Chris Candlemas. And so there's like an element of that to the book as well, which is, is quite cool. <clears throat> like he talks about mm-hmm. how um, he, as a young man, was having a fight with his dad. And there was this mountain in Canada, or Alaska maybe, that he's like, I want to climb. And so he left. He did the same thing, basically. He, tra- he traveled out there unprepared and tried to climb this mountain. And he really suffered for it. But he did climb the mountain in the end. And... And uh, like I, its I own think that, story. <laughs> yeah, well, but I think that comes to the crux of it, and and this is kind of like a lot of what the book is about <laughs> is like um, the wilderness does not equal therapy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and and that's the kind of I think a lot of the crux of it is that Chris Candlemas. So so because that's what I was Chris saying. Candlemas. So John Krakow, he does write it where he is framing it in a way where it's like this yeah. is. He's a bit of a wanker. Oh, he's being an idiot. Well, no, actually, kind of the opposite. That's kind of my reason, okay, right. I guess. John, but, but it's, but it's, I guess it's complicated. So, John Krakauer, he believes that there was something very special about Chris Candlemas because he, he had this adventurous spirit that, that John Krakauer doesn't believe appears in too many people. And Chris Candlemas was an, an intriguing figure. So he was a, a young man. He, he, he was raised by a pretty wealthy family. His dad was slightly distant, but not terribly. Um, he was a pretty normal kid. But then his, he found out one day that his dad had, a in the past, a second family that he had not told Chris about, but Chris's mum knew about. And so it kind of broke Chris. And he never forgave his dad for it. And that really changed Chris from this kind of regular kid to this, like, this John Jack Kerouac on the road, you know, like, (laughs) life is about philosophy, (laughs) nobody else understands the way the world really is kind of dude. Oh, that's so Um, cliche. (laughs) Oh, he sucks. He sucks so much. When he decided Nobody to go on his journey. Me, man. Oh, yeah, that's him. That's him the whole time. So uh, one of the, the kind of beginning of it is he finishes his his uh, college uh, life or whatever. He graduates. And he only went to college because his parents were like, Chris, we'd re- we'll pay for it. Just please go to college or whatever. And then he graduates and his parents are like, well done. Let us give you a car. And he's like, how dare they offer to give me a car? My car works perfectly, and it has taken me on many a grand adventure. Mother and father, you are curs, and what a, you're what just an like interesting your way parents to take are giving that. you a car. At that's least nice. Be, yeah, no, at the very least, be like, oh, that's nice, but I'm cool with what I got. Yeah, I actually really like the car I have. Um, and then so he <laughs> goes like, on you to say, "Idiots." Yeah, he's like, "How <laughs> stupid." Um, and so he, he has quite a close, he has one sister, he has quite a close, close relationship with her. And he, there's like a, a letter from him where he's like, Hey sis, get this mom and dad. They think I'm going to fucking come home after I graduate. And that's what I've told them in all of these letters. But actually I'm starting my two year odyssey of America and I'm not telling them where I'm going. I'm just, I'm leaving for my great Alaskan adventure into the wilderness, into the wild, as it were. And so, without telling his parents or anything, he just, he ups and disappears. And he 
tries to live this kind of like this kind of romanticized hobo life. He goes hoboing. I think he even describes it like that through the hoboing. Great American Wilderness. Yeah, and he's not. He's never prepared. Like he he starts off in his car that he loves so much that he refused to get a new car from right from, from his parents. And he start, first he goes south towards Mexico, and I forget where he started. Don't worry about it. <laughs> It's not relevant. It's not important. Actually, before Uh, we keep going on that, though, just to go back one step, because it's interesting him talking about uh, like sending that letter and you're like, like that's part I almost understand. It's just the unreasonableness because you're like, his parents are nice people. Why does he need to do this? Yeah, yeah. But like how many college students would have done that at some point, that part? For sure. But I think there's a difference between tricking your parents into thinking you're coming home and then leaving and just leaving. So he had told his parents he was coming back. He just never did. <laughs> well, it's not like I'm sure he did it like, here's the plane tickets, mom and dad. Can't wait to see you. <laughs> I think, but, he, but I think he did. I think that's the fucked up bit is that he was like, mother and father, I'm coming home. And the way he talks about it to his sister is like it's a not a great prank, but it's like he's he's giving it to his parents. He's being like, hey, fuck you, mom and dad. Like, you think I'm coming home? Nah, your perfect college boys off living a, a grand adventure. He does and like, sound like obviously the, he's like classic yeah. person who wants to be a hard ass with like messed up parents, but they're too yeah. nice. So. Yeah, for sure. And like Chris Candlemas goes out there and he dies. And there is a chapter of this book that is all about the the family and the family suffering because he left with no warning. He never turned for help. He never did any of this, and he just decided, I don't know, like I I am not beholden to the people who love me. That they, those people who love me, they're meaningless. You know, it's it's all internal for him, I guess. And mm. so he just decides, I'm out of there. And I think part of the deal of being alive is that you are attached to other people. And you can't get away from that. No matter how much you try, no matter how much you want, you can't get away from the, the fact that you're attached like, to other do you, people. But, I mean, the counter to that would straight away be... Uh... Don't you get to choose that, who you're attached to? I think you do. Regardless you, of how you, nice you, they are to you? Yeah, I think you absolutely do get to, get to get to choose, but I think you have to respect the fact that you can't just leave people. You can't just out on people with no warning or whatever. There are other things you can do first. And I just think I I, I just find everything Chris did, especially and you can you can read his story as the story of this special child who went off on this this child. He was, again, he was like 21. This special young man who went off on this grand adventure to find the truth in the wilderness or whatever. But when you read the chapter where his family are just despondent because from their perspective, they were waiting for their kid to come back from university one minute, and then two years later, they find out he died in a bus in the wilderness. And, and that in some way, Chris saw leaving as sort of like punishing everybody for not living the life he wants them to live or for or for not respecting him or or something it just all of it comes off as just so to me anyway unimaginably selfish and See, but- i don't know it just, it just it just yeah i think it's very interesting like, I, mean, I don't know i know it's, it, it is like as in but yeah as you say that i just think of like um, like it does sound unreasonable, right? But in yeah. his head, he's like, these people don't yeah. get me. They never did whatever for me. And even though, yeah, he's being a total sure. idiot. I agree on that. But also like, 
Isn't it the most cliche hero's journey part of life where you do do that a bit, especially sure. in that age range? Yeah, you just I don't suppose. die for it. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose and that's a, that's a really interesting thing with the whole story is that if Chris Candlemas, so to get, I guess to get back to his journey, he okay. Let's go. Let's, that's probably worthwhile. Let's let's, right, let's, let's I'll get his it journey. It sounds like you want to tell it. It sounds like you want to tell it. Which is useful to have so that you can then explore. Okay, fine. Look, let's not discuss anything. Let's just have you retell the story. That's what makes a fun (laughs) podcast. Beat by beat. Tell me the plot of the story. And then we say goodbye. And that's it. (laughs) This is literally just a bad audio book (laughs) now. Well, I think this happened in this chapter. Yeah, then I can't remember. Who cares where he came from or where he went? Doesn't matter. Somewhere he went south from somewhere. Let's say Kuna. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. <laughs> Basically, so what, all I want to say is that he goes okay. south, he loses his car, he goes mm-hmm. north, he meets a bunch of people, he spends time connecting with all of these people in the world, these, these like kind of often rough, rugged, like small town men who own farms, who own factories, and he... Everyone that he meets, they mm-hmm. love him. They're like, this kid, he's something special about this kid. And 
Then uh, is that based on his own notes? Uh it's but no uh, interviews as well with the people afterwards. Okay, I was yeah. going to say. Yeah, it's like, I just met all these other people. They love yeah, me. Yeah, they think I'm a. They're a big uh, fan. Dear diary, <laughs> they like my what I'm doing as well, and they hate my dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he, after spending some time with these people, he's like, "Time to start my great Alaskan wild- uh, adventure." He hitchhikes his way up to. Uh, this little area of Alaska that to him he believes is is quite isolated, but in reality was like two miles from a highway, three miles from a set of cabins, one mile from like a uh, like a like a nature management facility or whatever. But anyway, okay. there's a bus there. He decides to live in the bus, and then one day he eats the wrong potato seeds and dies. And that's the that's the story of Chris Candlemas. And then yeah, I guess the question is. And, and, and yeah, that's what I was going to say. If he'd survived, if Chris Candlemas had come back, it would just be the, because he, he survived for three months there by himself in that bus. It's just that mm. he ate the wrong potato seeds and died. And if he'd survived, if he'd come back, you know what I mean? What, what would the story be? That You're right. You know what I mean? You say everybody does it. They just don't die. And if he yeah, had it died, to some degree, would, yeah. would we see it as selfish as, as it, as it is? I don't, I don't know. I just, it's a, it's an interesting element of the of the story, I think. I, yeah, I guess. Like, does it does it does it seem like he's grown? Like, he's learned stuff in his own notes. Of like, does it seem like maybe he was in a position? Well, it, one of the things that he 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 brings a lot of books with him. Books by <coughs> Tolstoy. Books by what a you douchebag. Know, exactly yeah. what you'd imagine. War and Peace. But yeah, of course. But he also brings him some like kind of pulpy schlock as well. Mm-hmm. He, th- he will need to be entertained. But one of the, the lines he underlines with like a, or he highlights in, in War and Peace is something about like the true path to happiness is mm-hmm. other people or whatever. So we don't know, but you could argue that, yeah, maybe Chris Candlemas did at toward the end be like, well, I lived by myself in the wilderness for three months. It wasn't super comfortable. <laughs> I guess I should go back and 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 yeah. spend time with people or whatever. Or like the the relationship. Yeah, he, just, he was just high and trying to cross it out. Is, is sort of yeah, <laughs> wrong. <laughs> this is not true. Um, no, it's true. Yeah. An interesting thing as well is that for for the the length of his journey, he calls himself Alexander Supertramp. He graffitis a couple of places and he keeps a journal in the back of his. Uh, he has a book on edible plant species in Alaska. And he writes in the back of it, he always signs it off, Alexander Supertramp. But when he eats the wrong... The, <laughs> that is a good name. It's, oh, God, it's something. But when he when he eats the potato seeds and he gets really sick, he starts calling himself Chris Candlemas. So again, you I don't know, you, you're like, is this idea toward the end of his time there, when things started to go south, did this romantic idea of him as the this rambling man, did that start to disappear? And all of a sudden he was once again... Christopher Candlemas struggling to move or, or, or do anything in the back of a beat up bus in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness. I don't know, but I think he's a, it's an infinitely fascinating story about, about suffering and in, like intently suffering, like deciding mm-hmm. to suffer. And, and I mean, I don't I know. Get it. Don't you get it? I do. Of course I do. And, and Hey, the call of the wild man, I love it, and I get it. And every time I read a book like this, or every time I read a story about someone going out there and doing something, you know, amazing, like oh, even books about people who survive horrific situations, like I don't know, Alive, about those kids, the, the Uruguayan soccer team who have to eat each other to survive in the Andes. 
even that, the description of the Andes, the description of the wild up there, I'm like, put me in it, coach. (laughs) Chuck me on a fucking mountain. That's where I want to be. You know what I mean? But I, I don't know. I think at the same time, you could be clever about it. You know what I mean? And 21, I, you know, I keep talking about him like he's a kid, but that's not young. You're an adult. Oh, man. Come on. 21. <laughs> what are you, 15 years old? 21's a baby. <laughs> it is. Of course it it's is. It's all a baby. You're always a baby. Yeah, you never, I'm nearly 30. I'm baby till I die, man. That's yeah, me. Yeah, man. Seriously. Well, you thought, think about how old 20-year-old you thought you would be now and how much closer you oh, are to 20-year-old for you. For sure. For sure. Uh, and, like, I guess that's what makes it an interesting book, and I guess that's kind of why I decided this was the book I wanted to talk about, is that it is... It's not divisive, I guess, but it does spark that debate about whether or not was Chris Candlemas an idiot? Should he have been more prepared? One thing that I will say is that countless people told him to be more prepared and tried to prepare him. And often he would uh, kind of neglect any of the advice they gave him uh, a lot of the time. So the guy who dropped him off in the wilderness when he found out what he was doing, he was like, you know, that gun will not get you any game like it won't work. And Chris was like, no, I'll be fine. And he was like, you know, your shoes are going to get destroyed. Like the snow and the terrain, those aren't appropriate shoes. Let me give you some shoes. And Chris was like, I don't want them. I don't want them. I don't want them. And he's like, please. (laughs) And then he takes the shoes. You know what I mean? Finally. But he doesn't, he's not happy about it. But then he uses them in the three months because they're the right (laughs) shoes. So like, you know, how annoying. you got to beg them to take uh, something to help them, and they take yeah, it in the exactly. end annoyed at it, you. That, that's the experience so often. People are like, he acts like being in the wilderness and, and his own his own survival skills or his own correct philosophy is what keeps him alive as he goes on this odyssey. But it's not. The thing that keeps him alive is all the people he meets along the way. They're the people who clothe him, who feed him, who get him money, who drive him places. But never once is there any moment of introspection where he's like, wow, these people have been really lovely to me. The closest you get is he's like, so he spends a lot of time with a a guy who runs a, I think it's like a, a farm out in Alaska somewhere. And that guy, he's like, mm, he is a rare breed of man. <laughs> and that's like the closest you get to that level of introspection. One of the saddest stories I find, and one of the ones that makes you dislike Chris the most, for me anyway, is... When he is heading up north um, to Alaska from, like, the, the USA, he m- meets this man, this very old man. And this old man, uh, he's lost a child, you know, when he was younger. And he looked after some kids in Vietnam because I think he was a Vietnam veteran or whatever. And he looked after some of the kids over there because he felt... Anyway, so he had all of these children that he'd raised and lost. And he was very alone now, this old man. And he meets Chris because Chris is hi- is hitchhiking and he mm-hmm. kind of starts to develop this bond with Chris and he looks after him. He lets Chris into his home. He feeds him. He clothes him. He spends ages talking to him. And for like a, a moment in this old man's life, he's not lonely anymore. And anyway, Chris is like, well, staff me up, up and leave. I'm heading to Alaska. And the old man's like, let me drive you. Let me drive you to Alaska. So you're not out there unsafe alone hitchhiking your way you know up north and after a lot of like umming and ahhing chris is like fine you can drive me anyway as they're driving up there the old man's (laughs) like can i ask you a question chris and chris is like yeah whatever and he's like i don't have any children of my own anymore 
and I, I'm old, I'm probably not much longer for this world. Can I adopt you? Because I, I, I feel like a real close connection to you. And Chris kind of like brushes it off or whatever. Anyway, he drops him off in Alaska and Chris writes a letter back to this guy. And in the letter, Chris is like, you are living an incorrect life. He's like, you are living a life that is unhealthy and you will die soon. You need to get out onto the road and into the wilderness. That is the only way your life will be good. Chris can't. Su- Alexander Supertramp. <laughs> and so the old man does it. He goes out there and he, like, buys a trailer in this, like, weird hippie commune. Yeah. But, like... So the guy does it. just like... Well, kind of, but it doesn't make his life any better. All that happens is that he lives out in this, like, hippie commune, and then he finds out Chris died, and he's like, shit. And that's... It's like another kid lost. I don't know. I'm gonna go And it's just stories like that. Story after story where you're like, Chris, fucking hell. I mean, even that, though, it's like... You know, it's almost a cliche. The person who is so messed up and trauma, like just just got their own shit going on, so they just suck. Yes, <laughs> as, <laughs> as a person at messaging things, but at the same time, they're doing their version of that in their shitty. Oh yeah, for sure, shitty way. And I suppose yeah, that's another way of looking at it. Maybe Chris Candlemas, maybe this was his way of being like, not so much. Yes, you can adopt me because hey, that's a big ask. And he also is, Chris already life. had parents, so like I don't know. <laughs> Real life could have, and I don't know if he could have said yes. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how that works. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm no adoption scientist, but like maybe that was his way of being like, hey, I appreciated our time together as well. But yeah, it's it's tricky. It's tricky. And the call of the wild is again, like you said, it's something that I think we all experience a little bit when you're out there and you enjoy pretty scenery or you enjoy having your feet on the grass you know you're like oh this is how i'm meant to be living i i don't know yeah and i think I mean, as well the older you get the more you're like oh i guess this is what my life is going to look like you know what i mean i in general you mean yeah in general you're like mm. i'm i'm probably not gonna go out and have a alexander super tramp style adventure across across the the united states or whatever i mean never say mm-hmm. never but but you're you reach a point where you're like well it's, it's looking less and less like yeah it, it's yeah. looking exactly exactly and so there's i think there's something there's something to the idea of like I, if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it but at the same time if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it now while yeah, i can while i'm while i'm young or whatever mm. but but at the same time it's like it's like i've romanticized the idea of being a trucker right like for me the idea of getting in a big rig Driving across the, the the Midwest of America, long, lonely highways, stopping at truck stops to piss, stopping at diners to eat a greasy burger before I get back in my truck with a black coffee, turn on the radio and keep driving into the night. Like, I romanticize the hell out of that. But if you were like, Jackson, do you want to drive a truck? I'd be like, no. That's, that'll suck. It won't oh. be fun. I'll be on meth, tired. <laughs> No, thank Just you. staring at a road for yeah. No, look, I shitting my pants from all the greasy diner burgers I had. Look, we've all romanticized stopping at diners. Like I, oh yeah, I'm, mine is like the cops and the donuts mm. and the coffee in the morning. Oh, yeah. I'm always like, yeah, donut coffee in the morning. That is sick. And then you have it once, and you're like, I don't think I want this again. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> fine. You know, it's, it's, it's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't need to wake up that early for this experience. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wasn't even hungry to be honest. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of sugar for nine a.m. <laughs> exactly. So I guess the question becomes, or or I don't know if the question becomes, but it's like this romanticized world you imagine you know what i mean like is is trying to live this romanticized life you've created worth it 
at the expense of everyone who knows and loves and cares about you. And 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 that's the And then also, obviously, having read all of these survival books, there's some element as well where I'm like, what privilege, Alexander Candlemas. I mean, yeah, Chris Christopher Candlemas, to be able to be like, I'm gonna go put myself in the wilderness to suffer on purpose when there's dudes out there who are like fucking all right time to suck the shit off a berry or whatever i don't know you know but like that's genuinely suffering and i mean that's the same you could say about literally anything or it's like oh people are starving and you're not going to work 50 hours a week to well yeah there's that but it's not like i'm like like, people are starving in third world countries so i'm gonna starve on purpose to experience it because yeah, I think that'll make me stronger tourist. somehow. <laughs> but I mean, you there know. is some truth to like some hardship being good for the soul, obviously in controlled doses yeah, and all that. So for sure, I, I think there definitely is. But but going out and seeking it seems baffling to me. It seems stupid to me. And this is I, always going to be the the argument for Alexander Candlemas. Like, was he stupid? Christopher Candlemas, was he stupid or was he just doing something we all wish we could do? I don't know. You know? I, w- I would say, yeah, like a, if, if slightly less cocky yeah. about the advice side of things. Less of a wanker, maybe. You know? Just, but even like even the wanker part, you can learn to yeah. not be that, hopefully, after a journey like that. Yeah. But like definitely just slightly more aware so you live. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, for sure. But then, then I think even it's, on I'm that. Supportive. So it's So it's complicated the way Alexander died. So. His last or his journal entry before, you know, as he started to die was he's like poisoned eight pot seeds, P-O-T, full stop seeds, presumably meat, potato, got sick. And people don't know necessarily how exactly that happened because potato seeds are not inherently poisonous. Uh, You have to eat quite a few of them to get sick Mm. from them. And so he did have a thing of potato seeds that he brought with him. But again, people like, he would have had to eaten so many for him to have died from it. The other alternative is that there's a a native potato in Alaska that if you eat it during the winter months, if you eat the seeds during the winter months, they have like a high level of some toxin that could poison you. And so the kind of leading theory is that he was starving because he really wasn't prepared to survive in the winter and that he, uh, to just get any sustenance he ate the seeds of this potato and that that is is what poisoned him but that there's really no way of knowing or like there's no way he could have known sorry that it would be so so dangerous for him because mm. in his book we had a big book of like things you can eat in the wilderness or whatever um nowhere did it say that this <laughs> that that was a poisonous thing so you know it's you can even argue that he 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 wasn't stupid. That that's a, a mistake anyone could make if yeah, they didn't died. know yeah, the yeah. minutia of the surviving in the in the. So he literally era. had something to look up to see if things are poisonous, and it doesn't say in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and and, that, and again, that's what it comes down to. But also, so um, when he first got sick, so w- w- when he first arrived to get to the bus, he jumped over a little stream, and he went and lived in the bus. Then, uh, went and that was during winter. Then. Summer hit, which is kind of around the time where he was eating the potatoes because, I mean, like, there was food coming back, but with winter, you know, as harsh as it was, he, ha- he had to find some sustenance. But but uh, when he was, like, time to leave the bus, time to get out of here, uh, what was once a small river 
was now feeling the full brunt of the meltwater and had become a raging stream that there's no way he could right. have ever feasibly crossed. Except he could have because a mile down the river there was a, a crossing. But How could you? A mile is um, not far. <laughs> but maybe it's like a it's, mile it's, over ridiculous I terrain. I don't know. Is possible. I think it's it's it is quite hilly, mm. so maybe that's why he didn't do it. Out of boredom, but you'd um, walk. but then it's again out of boredom. You'd walk huh? that far, you'd think. Maybe check the area you were going. Yeah, I think you can do this. You can you can go into the wild, but if you want to do it in a way that is safe, then you might need to bring with you a little more than a sense of unearned confidence. I think that's my feeling no. about Have you ever seen any movies ever? All they are is the main <laughs> character having a sense of unearned confidence and then learning a lesson. Yeah. Listen to the people who talk to you. If somebody's like, yeah, that gun's not going to work, be like, oh, okay, I'll sell this gun, get the gun that will. If somebody's like, oh, hey, I probably wouldn't go out in that direction because that stream will become a full-on river, when you're finished, you're like, oh, well, maybe I'll choose the time I go and do it. I, I think maybe he wasn't stupid, uh, stupid, but he was definitely unprepared. And Yeah, look, I, I don't know. Don't you like this is going to sound almost dumb as well, but I, I, I think you'll agree with me on this potentially. But uh, sometimes I feel like I almost wasn't stupidly confident enough <laughs> at that age. You know what I mean? Like, because you, know, you miss some valuable Without risking death, but like as in almost there's something really beautiful about and yeah, it's gonna be kind of dickish, mm. I guess. But at the same time I don't know. Well, no, I I, you, I do know through that is a good place to get yeah, to. Yeah, I, I, I suppose, you know, and interestingly, so John Krakauer, when he talks about his sort of into the wild experience, where he was like, I'm mad at my dad, we don't get along, time to go climb this mountain or whatever, he he, he got to the, the mountain, he started climbing it, he realized he was, like, horrifically unprepared for it, he nearly fell off, like, a sheer cliff, he climbed back down to his tent, he got in his tent, he, like, spent time there slowly moving through his supply of food, and then he in, needed to warm up one day and he accidentally set part of his tent on fire, and he was like, there's <laughs> no way I'm going to be able to make it out of this, and he's like, fuck it, I'm climbing this mountain, though. One, come hell or high water... I'm doing it. And so he climbs the mountain. He gets to the top. And it's just like this huge ridge that you can get to. It's so kind of like sharp a point or whatever at the top that you can straddle it. Like you could just sit on top of this mountain. <laughs> wow. And so he did. And he was like, wow, you know, this is incredible. And then he came home and he's like, it didn't solve my problems. The wilderness is not therapy. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, he's like, I thought it would mean something. I thought that doing this meant something that it would change who I was as a person, but it just do- it just doesn't. So, and I don't know. That's, that's yeah, you're, So you're saying it'd be actually cool to have learned that that way rather than learn it from just, <laughs> oh, I read in a book. <laughs> actually, <therapist, laughs> I read into the wild. I've basically had the same experience. Like as in that's- Yeah, I've lived Chris Candlemas' life and- uh, Yeah, the audacity. I, you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're not the main character. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a cynical way to look at it. and Maybe it's because I- I, I don't know. Maybe I, I am. I mean, I mean, I'm only 29. Like, what? What? I'm not. I'm not ancient, but like, maybe I don't have the confidence of like a late teen anymore to to see the world in that way. But I'm, maybe my that's thing is like, almost. Well. Did you ever have it? Like for me, I almost don't know if I ever I had know. that to that degree. Probably not. I think. I think I didn't either. And that's. You know so don't I mean? you think maybe that's part of the appeal of the story? Is like someone who, in all of its shitness. <laughs> 
was at least yeah, that well, yeah, in again, all hey, its glory. It, it's an engaging read, definitely. You know what I mean? Well, not and, just for the engagement, but also just like the idea. Like, you know, like, it yeah, feels still sure, part of absolutely. you. Yourself as well. Uh-huh. Like, that's what I mean. Yeah, 100%. And again, you know, like I would have walked the Appalachian Trail. You know, we discussed this in the first episode. And part of that is for the same reason. To be untethered like that is to to for the only thing that matters to you to be the next step you take or to be finding somewhere warm to sleep at night is unimaginably appealing for some reason it 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 does strike some little you know chord in 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 your your being i think mm. but but at the same time i understand that i'm attached to the world you know what i mean and that if i went out there and i lived a risky life if i hurt myself or anything like that that i would upset the people who love me and so I think therein lies the sort of discordance in the idea. You can do it when you're young, I suppose, because mm. when you're young, maybe you've not fully evaluated those attachments you have to other people. And then- Well, you, you, yeah. like, you, know, in, you still haven't chosen the attachments. They've chosen you yeah, and you're just kind of yeah. going with it. So. so you're like, whatever. But then at a certain point, you're like, wow, if I die on this mountain, my mom will sure be sad. Maybe I don't want to die on this mountain. Yeah, and I guess that's the part which, like, because, yeah, I, I agree that we all have that wanderlust at least a little bit of, like, at least that. But, like, I guess that that smug fuck you society thing, maybe we don't have that, but we all kind of get that as well a little bit almost. I think no matter what, you know, no matter how uh, sort of, like, open to other ideas you are, you will always believe that the way you are living your life is the right way to live a life. <laughs> because otherwise- You reckon? That's a bold statement. I think- that's a very bold Maybe statement. not necessarily in every facet, but I think that on some level, because otherwise you wouldn't be living your life that way, surely. What do you mean? That is such a, you feel like you are choosing for, and let's go to personal with you, Yeah, that you are living kind of by a philosophy that you think is correct in I general, think not within the bounds of reality. I think maybe it's like, a, there's like an active version of it and an inactive version. That's right. Let's, let's talk yeah. about you. Let's, let's yeah, make yeah. It, okay. Make so it, for, me, specific. for me, for me, I I th- I feel like I'm open to like other ideas. I feel like I'm open to other philosophies and that my personal philosophy on life could change on a dime because it has in the past. Everybody's constantly evolving. That's just what it looks like or whatever. So, that's just life. You're not the same every from day to day you change. Um and so I I I like to think obviously that you know, if somebody presented me with an idea or a way of looking at life that appealed to me, that I would change. You know what I mean? And and that I'm I'm accepting of other people the way other people are living their life, the way they're choosing to do things, which in a way is part of the way I'm living my life. You know what I mean? That's my philosophy is that I should allow other people to have their own philosophies. But also, okay. I wouldn't agree. I, I wouldn't be living the life I'm living in like a like a internal sense. Not necessarily in the things I do, but in the things I believe, if I didn't believe in them, with perhaps the possibility that those things could change. Do you know okay. what I mean? So you've really, like, you've backed that to the point of making it <laughs> so generic as to be meaningless now. <laughs> it's like the things we believe Nailed are the things we believe. <laughs> you coward. You started off so bold and you've ended up. I backed, you backed so me into a corner. <laughs> Yeah, well, you can't. Well, no, like, I still think you meant the first thing and you've backed around now. Well, no, because I think exactly the thing we're talking about meaninglessness. happened. I was like, everybody believes that their own philosophy is correct. Well, okay, let's pick but something I, I a, little more, like, a little more specific to me. Well, okay? Yeah. 
I believe you gotta laugh. That's something, it's a lesson my dad taught me. When things are upsetting, when things are bad, when things are grim, when, when life is crazy, instead of getting upset by it, you gotta laugh. You gotta be like, well, in this bonkers or whatever. And so I think that's a valuable philosophy. So, and I believe it's a valuable philosophy. For, I think it's a, a good lesson for people or whatever. So I think, I oh, believe so see, my no, own philosophy is the correct philosophy, which is what I'm saying. For everyone? Yeah, I think it's a valuable lesson. Again, this is a wild thing to say. This <laughs> what I'm that's saying. Bold. I would say that's already crazy. So do you not so think what that, I believe is good for everyone? So do you not think do that your own philosophy is the correct philosophy on life? Is for that what me? you're saying? So do you not for think that me? the way? Yeah, for you personally. Your philosophy yeah. on life is the correct if philosophy. If I know what it is, which I try to kind of figure out, and I don't even know if a lot of people know what their own philosophy is, if they sat down and well, yeah, thought about it, neither, they might really. realize that yeah, yeah. it's not what they think is their philosophy isn't their philosophy, and it actually is bad. So that's why I would actually disagree with you even on yeah, that Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I would say that people might think they want this, but they don't well, actually kind want of, it. So even that, well, I would well, say- in a way, is, is that like Chris Candlemas- <laughs> <laughs> Of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> what you're saying, George, is what I'm saying, actually. It's hilarious. Because Chris Candlemas... Well, I'm also saying that, Because Chris Candlemas so. believed that his philosophy was the right philosophy, right? That his way of looking at the world was the correct way of looking yeah. at the world. Maybe toxic way of looking at the world was the right way of mm-hmm. looking at the world. Even the way of looking at the world that he maybe never expressed, like you're saying, this one, this kind of underlying true one... Not the one you tell yourself is the way you're looking at the world. Chris believed was correct. And I think all of us, even if we're not consciously thinking it, believe in some level that that our that we are living the right life in some way. Not necessarily in terms of, of the the I'd see, I don't think see that's where no see this is again you've you've switched you keep switching from saying uh, and I guess unless I'm getting confused from because you're saying I'm living the right life but that's an active thing you're not talking about a belief that you're talking about I'm living the right life I think deep down which is very different to saying a vague philosophy well, I suppose is kind by living of the right I life you're, I mean I am thinking the right thoughts I am interacting with people in the correct way. I am looking at the problems of the world. My decisions on the big moral quandaries are the right decisions. Do you know what I mean? That's, I guess, what I mean by living the right life. Yeah. Oh, I see. It's yeah, yeah. Okay. My, okay. If, you, if you ask a moral quandary, yep. if you give me and the trolley now, problem and somebody gives you an answer to the trolley problem, they believe that's the right answer to the trolley problem. And if you give another answer to the trolley problem, they believe that's the incorrect answer to the trolley problem. Right? Like, that's... I believe I've done, I think I've figured out the calculation yeah. for the trolley problem. If you don't know the people involved, then you just go for oh, yeah. maximum utility. If you do know the people involved, then you've got to go for closeness to you versus the calculation <laughs> of their value but see, versus the lives of them. This is your philosophy, being, George. You should be doing You think this is right. Daughter. No, it's not. This is a mathematical calculation of being human as well as being reasonable. The trick of the trolley problem, though. <laughs> if, if it's your daughter, you should be The trick be of the trolley problem is there is no answer. That's, it's not really a problem. It's a philosophical exercise. So, your answer is your own philosophy, which yeah, you believe see, to be correct. That's, that's where you're wrong, buddy. <laughs> bada um, bing, bada boom. I'm not saying it is correct, because no philosophy is correct, really. That's sort of okay. the point. Oh, but This is so frustrating, because not only have we not reached the satisfying conclusion, which is fair enough, I don't think we've even figured out what we're talking about. No, it's hard, it is hard to, to really determine. I mean, all of this, all I'm really trying to say, because you were saying is that we sympathize or we empathize with Chris 
going into the wilderness because on some level we all want to go into the wilderness. But that his wanky kind of side is is harder to sympathize with. And I was saying that, yeah, but also in a way that's easy to sympathize with too. Because having a strong belief in your beliefs or having a, a, a kind of intense unwavering belief in your beliefs is probably also something we all experience. So... But, and yet we don't, in a way, we don't you, do the thing that he's doing. So we're almost jealous of well, him. Well, no, we that. don't do. Th- that's true. I mean, his he's so then we don't his do feeling, that. his beliefs, his his beliefs and his beliefs is a lot stronger than maybe most people's. You know what I mean? Exactly. But <laughs> yeah, but you can empathize from the respect of. You know, if you think that... Oh, God, we're just going to fall into the hole no, again, no, no, let's George. Stop. Just, we're gonna have to teetering on the edge of exactly the same conversation one more time. Yeah, Look, it's we're going to have to stop it because we've yeah. got on for the most unsatisfying... <laughs> I feel like anyone listening to this is going to be like, just you idiots! What was any of that? <laughs> was, was this English? <laughs> Why did I listen to any of this? God damn it. Into the wild, five stars. There you go. I'm sorry, everyone, for that, but uh, this has been interesting. Look, as yeah. far as repeat guests, though, this has been the. It's been a good one. Yeah. It's been good. Okay. All right. Um, let's close it off there in the weirdest, mm-hmm. most. But uh, we just can't because we've gone for 10 hours. I feel like we're stuck in a loop, which I can't figure out how to get out stuck of. Stuck so in a just terrible gonna, loop. Um, yeah, no That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> So confusing. Okay. Um, yeah, everyone wants to follow Jackson. He's on all the other episodes. You're going to hear his voice after this being mm-hmm. like, hey, listen to all the other shows listen on Sandspans. Listen to all the other shows on Sandspans. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, you heard sure. it live. <laughs> thanks so much for being on the show again, Jackson. Uh, yeah. Anytime. So thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. I had a blog. All right. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to SansPantsPlus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's SansPantsPlus.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money.